Good evening, good Sunday evening, and welcome to another edition of Folks Talking Sports. Houston Round Bar Review presents Folks Talking Sports. I am Chris Gardner, one of the hosts of the show. Joining me is Andy Yanez and James Mueller. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? Doing pretty good. And for those who haven't followed us on Twitter at Folks Talk Sports, uh, this is our one year anniversary show. Last year, June 4th, 2021. Yes, I know today is June 5th, but still, one year anniversary. We are celebrating one year of Folks Talking Sports. So thank you to everyone who has helped make this possible. We don't have a current sponsor, but during basketball season, Steve Saxinian sponsored us. We thank him for his support. And we're looking for sponsors going forward for our second year as we try to bring you more insight, in, info, entertainment as well, and bringing in the other member of the show, Mr. Willie Gibson. How are you, sir? Gentlemen, good, uh, good evening, rather. How are you? Doing pretty good. And, and he, Mr. Gibson, is part yes, of that first show, the first year anniversary as we did with Andy, me, and Will one year ago. That was pretty much, I think, we talked NBA playoffs, things like that. We're going to touch on the finals a little bit during this. We're going to talk some money, Mr. Gibson. We're going to talk money, conference money, Big 12 money, Big 10 money. That's right. But first, it's always a good thing. We're going to discuss Marcus Sasser and his news. Houston Cougars guard Marcus Sasser announced Wednesday night as Andy and James were waiting <laughs> up until it seemed like forever. <laughs> The 1059 deadline when Marcus announced around eight o'clock that he was going to come back to Houston and withdraw his name from the 2022 NBA draft. So we're going to hear a, hear a clip from Marcus. The question, first question is from me. Then you hear another question from James Mueller. But first, we're going to hear from head coach Kelvin Sampson, excuse me, the Houston Cougars men's basketball head coach. Goodness knows we discussed the women's head coach plenty on here, too. But Coach Kelvin Sampson is the men's head coach. It's about five minutes, Will, Andy, James, to talk about Marcus's decision and Marcus going through the NBA draft process and the benefit of that. And you're also going to hear Coach Sampson say what Marcus needs to work on. So that's pretty straightforward. We all know if you, if you follow the Cougs, you follow this show, Kelvin Sampson is very straightforward. He's blunt. And he is that again. So here we go. Head coach Kelvin Sampson. We're going to talk who's college basketball a lot in this hour of folks talking sports. And then we're going to touch on the NBA finals, get predictions about game two in the series overall. So Rocket fans, if you're tuning in, you can stay tuned. We're going to be talking more college and NBA finals tonight in this show. Rockets talk. Did a lot of that with a lot of great discussion last night, Saturday on the Let's Talk Houston Rockets. But first up, Kelvin Sampson, head coach. And the first question from this clip is from Mark Berman, 526 Sports. So you hear Kelvin say Mark, and so he's referring to Mark Berman. So there we go. You're going to hear Mark Berman's voice ask the question, and then Coach Sampson will give the, his long-winded answer. So great for media. Thank you for that. Here we go, head coach Kelvin Sampson. Kelvin, you touched on it a little. How much uh, Marcus said the process has helped make him become a better basketball player. How does that work in helping him become – even better than what he was going through all this draft stuff. Um, I just think the, the uh, preparation, you know, um, his agency moved him to Chicago. And, and I know that agency has, uh, you know, he was working out every day with the other players that are in, that are with that agency. Uh, um, the kid from, uh, the Murray kid from Iowa. Um, can't remember his first name. Supposed to be a top ten pick. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Keegan Murray. Keegan. Yeah, Keegan Murray. Um, Matt Mayer, kid that just transferred to Illinois. Uh, Marcos is rattling rattling off all the guys who he was playing against those days in preparation for his uh, workouts, and then um, um, playing well at the G League Combine, then getting the invite to the um, NBA. Uh, combine uh, and then the workouts you know uh, obviously uh, I'm you know good friends with just about every team um, 
Every time Marcus would do a workout, he'd call me and tell me who said hello. John Horst, the uh, general manager from Milwaukee, was an intern when I was there. He used to take me to the airport when I needed, when I was going, when I was flying back to Charlotte, John Horst would take me to the airport. Now he's the general manager. Uh, uh, Budenhauser and I worked together with San Antonio. So, um, but um, his work, uh, Marcus's workouts in Milwaukee, Orlando, Boston, Chicago, um, you know, just go experiencing those. You know, an NBA workout, you're only allowed to invite six guys. So he had to play three on three. Uh, and Marcus, Marcus um, uh, is going to excel at that because that's, you know, Marcus is a um, such a good ball handler. He can, get to, he can get to his spots and get his shot off. Um, but obviously there's things he needs to work on. Let's not act like Marcus is the perfect player. He's not. He's got a lot of things he's got to get better at. There's a reason he's coming back to college. You know, he wasn't projected to be one of the top 30 picks, and he probably, and he would not have been. That's why he's coming back. So, you know, Marcus, Marcus isn't a great player. You know, and great, great is a word that's thrown around way too much. I thought Michael Jordan was great. Let's, let's be careful about uh, how, how we use that word. Marcus is a uh, developing player. You know, he didn't play last year. He's had some good workouts this spring uh, and summer. But, you know, um, uh, he looked good five-on-five five when I saw him. Um, but I know Marcus is in, in the kind of shape he's going to have to be in. None of them are. You know, they're, they're in June shape. They're not in December shape or February shape. There's a difference in June and November around here. Um, but Marcus will get there. There's, um, uh, I have a lot of confidence in that young man. But um, all those experiences, though, Mark, they they were they were big for him. Uh, and I think what it did was just lift his confidence. And what Marcus will do is take his confidence and lift his teammates' confidence. He'll, he'll give them confidence. You always got to have somebody that you can get your swag from. Um, um, Last, last year, we got our swag from Fabian. You know, a uh, year before, we got our swag from Dejan and Quentin. Uh, year, year before that, it was Nate Hinton. Uh, or I, I said uh, Dejan and Quentin. You, you have to say Justin Gorman in that group, too. We've always had guys, you know, every team's had guys. But we had to develop those guys. You know, it's like uh, Chris was talking about Marcus, you know, I only think there's two schools in the state of Texas that offered him a scholarship, us and UTEP. Uh, but there's a reason why we liked him. Um, as I've said many times, we don't run down to the mall and hand out scholarships now. So um, uh, Mark, Marcus, um, we always felt we could develop him into being a good player. He wasn't when he got here, but he's developed into that. And I still think there's some uh, room underneath his ceiling, too. He's got to get better. He's got to get better at reading, picking roles. He's got to get better at decision making in the paint. You know, he's uh, a lot of areas, and those are the things we'll work on. Got to get better pick and roll, decision making, all those things. Andy, what do you think about what Coach Sampson said about Marcus Sasser? Ooh. Kind of it down. I think, like you said, and, and gently, I think uh, at the very beginning, I mean, he, he spoke, uh, how you said, he spoke bluntly. He spoke, obviously, among Houston, Houston fans. They were obviously going to be excited that he was coming back because of what he has been able to show that he can do at Houston the past uh, three seasons now that he's been with the program. Um, but he's still not at the level where he was um, or where he wants to get. And that's to be, he said, he wasn't going to, he wasn't, he was, he was only going to come back if he got a first round. Guarantee he didn't get that, and Calvin Sampson flat out said it during that immediate availability. If he would have stayed, he wasn't going to get you know a first round pick guarantee. Um, clearly, there's a lot that he still has to work on, and um, even then, um, I know something very small. Where he's talking about the, the the shape that the players are in in June. Obviously, they're not in, in game shape right now in June that they will be in November. But that that's just something with Calvin Sampson. Where um, and even then, another thing he said at the media availability where. Just because he's coming back and because there was a lot of buzz around him uh, potentially staying in the NBA draft, you know, now that he's committed to Houston, that he's coming back, he's not going to get any preferential treatment. 
And I mean, that, that's Calvin Sampson right there. Like everything he said in that media meeting. James, what are your thoughts on that? Well, hold up, James, because yeah, I think you were part of the presser. Willie Gibson, hearing that clip, what, what are your thoughts on what you just heard from Coach Sampson? Yeah, it's almost as though he was trying to puff him down a little bit. Trying to like, okay, you went to the league, you went to the combine, you had a great showing, you worked out for Boston, Orlando, Chicago, many, uh, Milwaukee, but now you're back with me. And he kind of let him know and let the media know, let the world know. Nah, you know, he, as the kids say, he kept it a buck, kept it 100. And he just, you know, he really just, as Andy said, was blunt. And I didn't know, okay, now, you know, you're not a great player. He's not a great, he, when he went to the, he's not a great player. And I'm like, man, he really is letting them know. They'll come back here with potential and thinking you're too going to come back just because I went to the league and, you know, scouts and assistant coaches in the league told me I'm this, I'm that. No, you're not here. Not here. So. James, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, I agree with what both Andy and Willie said. Um, one thing Andy touched on at the end, which I was going to bring up as well, is just in another part of the presser, he was like, you know, when I found out Marcus was coming back, the first thing I told him was we start Monday, which is he was referring to tomorrow when their summer workouts cut. And like, I, I appreciate that from a coach because it's like, you know, he could be like, oh, you just had a great, you played great at the G League, take some time to off. But he's like, no, you're coming in, you're working from the start. And I think that's going to benefit Marcus in the long run because Kelvin's not sort of trying to avoid things. He straight up says, you know, you need to improve on uh, pick and rolls, uh, paint defending. He, he, he says it straight up. And so I think that's going to benefit Marcus in the long run. So, I mean, yeah. Agreed. And it was great to hear. And James mentioned right there that coach said in the full presser, y'all know how I do it on the Houston Ron Barview channel, on YouTube channel. It's all there. You can go to check out the press conference. If you missed any parts of it, you want to see the whole thing in its entirety. Kelvin, Coach Sampson said it. Coog's first workout of the summer, June 6th. Marcus, be ready to work out, okay? No special treatment, none of this. You were in Chicago, you were away. Nope, it's time to go to work. Time, your, your butts now belong to mine now at Houston Cougars, so you're ready to work, and that's going to help Marcus and the team. And we're gonna, I'm going to uh, play the clip now with Marcus so Will can hear it because, Will, you know how I do sometimes. I keep it real as well. I try to keep it mm -hmm. 100. My question to him was about business, about insurance. So I'll ask him about that, and then also ask him about some of the incoming players, freshmen. So here we go with that. Houston Cougars senior guard, Marcus Sasser. Guys, James and Andy, he was in Chicago talking to us, right? Yeah. Yeah, so check this out, Will. Yeah. Look, where he, look how he's chilling. Yeah. He's talking to us. Marcus, this is, not, not to sound morbid, but have you taken any type of protection insurance-wise? You know, he got injured last year. To protect your draft stock, to protect you, right. something happens this coming season. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna get a. Uh, you saying like insurance wise? Yeah. Yeah, I got um insurance that I'm gonna go with this year to protect me, if, just in case I do get hurt. Hopefully, not guys willing, but yeah, I, I got one. And what's your thoughts on incoming guys like Jarris Walker, your new teammates? Um, it's gonna be fun and exciting to play with these guys. Um, a new transfer we just got. And Jerry's coming in, and Terrence coming in, Emmanuel. Just seeing these young, I mean, just like teaching these young guys, you know, what it takes to play Houston, teaching them the culture. And, you know, they're very talented. So I feel like that help our team a lot and be a great addition to the team. Thank you, Chris. We'll go to James Mueller from the Cougar. James, go ahead, please, with your question. Yeah, hey, Marcus, when you were going through this process, um, did you talk to guys like Quentin and Nate and maybe even Armani about sort of how they went through it and did they give you any advice that you could share? Well, I talked to Quinn. Um, I talked to Dejan about it too and Nate. They was just telling me, you know, go with my gut, but be smart about it. Um, everybody has their own story to write and, you know, they took their path. Um, they just, you know, gave me confidence and just told me, you know, be myself. So they gave me a lot of good confidence. I got a lot of good feedback, but at the end of the day, I feel like it was just the best decision for me. And, you know, it was different. It was a different route that they took, but yeah, like I said, everybody has their own path. So, what do you think about what you just heard? 
I gotta go with what I saw. He okay. was chilling, right? <laughs> yeah. was, that, was that like the Marcus Graham penthouse from Boomerang? <laughs> like, man, great reference there, man. Great reference. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. they didn't get it, but I got it. No, yeah, they I, did I, not. <laughs> I was I thinking it. about it before I said it. Like, yeah. James and James and Andy have no idea what I'm about to say. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, he, um, I think now was let me ask this: Was that before Coach Sampson or after? I was before. That was, was Wednesday night. Yeah. All right. So what that tells me is Coach Sampson saw that, and to me, he kind of took it as, okay, I gotta let him know, because he did kind of seem like, like you said, he was kind of chill, like yeah, you know, hey, well, uh, yeah, you know, I talked to him. Yeah, I got something. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Coach Sampson was like, nah, man, it's coming. So yeah, you look real chill, but tomorrow you said June six. June six. Yep. Okay. okay. Andy or James, because uh, I don't know. I, I, I haven't looked into it. Do y'all know who is representing Marcus? I do not. Um, I think he said. Kelvin talked about it. Yeah. yeah. He said it was like the same person that represented his dad or something. Um, so I got to look into it. And I think see it started cause... with, like, I think it was like Mark. It was his first name or something. I can't remember. Because, I mean, if it's Mark, like Mark Bartlestein, that's, that's big time. Yeah. If it's Mark. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'll look into that. We can figure that out. Or if anybody watching, hit us up on Twitter or in the comments section here. Let us Alex know. Alex I just did a research on him. I, I think it, I, I, from what I say, I think it might be Alex Cerna, but I'm not 100% sure that's the name of the agent. Um, it could be but, part of the, the, the firm because it's a big time firm. So, it, I mean, they're doing a great job with the clients they have. So, but that's yeah, not an issue for us until next draft for Marcus Sasser. But Andy, what what are your thoughts on that clip? What Marcus said about the insurance. We like want to get your thoughts on that too about the insurance part as well. But everybody, what are your thoughts on Marcus taking out insurance uh, to protect himself? Well, I, I'll go first, and and first, kind of to, to clarify for some people that might not know, like when you're talking about insurance, do you mean like a, an actual like policy where if you were to get hurt, he would have like uh, like a like settlement that he would get like not a settlement but like pay or anything like that or what, what do yeah. you mean by insurance like if if he suffered i guess we'll put it a catastrophic injury basically mm -hmm. that would damage his draft stock so like if, if he's projected to go in the first round next year and guard wise guard wise the 23 draft is not right now very deep so he could have a better chance next year to go in the first round so if he were to have a catastrophic injury which impacts him to not get drafted in the first round. His insurance policy would then, with a good agency representation, be worth, at a minimum, what he would get as the last pick in the first round. Mm. So protect his income that he would earn, he would have earned, as a first round pick. So that's that's the insurance policy. That's that's why I asking about that. So to protect himself monetarily, if he were to suffer a catastrophic injury that could cause him to miss a season or very unlikely now technology in this career. Hmm. Well, that's certainly interesting. And then like you mentioned, obviously, um, quite frankly, it's obviously a good thing that, that he went that route, especially considering the what happened to him this past season. So it just goes to show that, that it can happen. Now, obviously, it looks like um, it, the injury he did suffer isn't anything that, that was at the level of catastrophic because um, he even, I can't, I think it was Sasser himself who said that he was able to put, you know, kind of that to bed, uh, any any issues with injuries related to um, the foot injury. He said that, that um, various NBA doctors, you know, checked him out during the combine and everything was good in that aspect. Uh, but it's certainly uh, very, very good for him. Um, and then, you know, talking about the players um, and going back to, to what Will and, and Chris, you guys have touched on where he looks really, really comfortable um in the penthouse that he was in in chicago he had been he frankly had been in orlando that, that earlier yeah, that he worked day. out he for the magic that orlando. day yep he went from orlando to chicago now um he said that it, you know, that orlando workout was something they had coordinated before or had booked before so it wasn't going to impact his decision but i don't know even then um the whole thing was pretty odd because i can't i think it was the day before where the university of athletics you know sent an email that he was going to make his announcement between seven, eight, and mm -hmm. then they had a follow-up email that it was going to be later because of 
travel um, issues. And then he didn't post it until closer to 8.30. So, I mean, the whole situation was a little bit uh, interesting, uh, to say the least. And, you know, at the end of the day, he chose to come back to Houston. And and now um, it's kind of interesting what what Will said, where maybe Samson saw it and kind of had to, um, you know, let him know that what he was getting into now that he was coming back to Houston. That's an interesting perspective. But I think going back to the insurance, I mean, it's something that it's good for him, and he learned after the past season that anything can happen in the season. It could get cut short just like that. James, what are your thoughts on, on Marcus taking out an insurance policy? Yeah, I think it goes to speak to the people around him. Um, he's been grew up in a basketball family. He talks. He credits his uncles a lot for what they've done. They've played big-time basketball. He's his father, obviously, and, and his agents. Like, I, I, insurance policy would not be the first thing I'm thinking of, like, as a 21, 22-year-old kid in college. Uh coming back but like the credit to that like you know they, they seem to have something in place i think that just shows that like they've really looked at all the angles um and like he's got good people behind him helping him out because like i said um a lot of college students aren't that's not the first thing that's popping into their mind um so yeah that's that's the main thing that like stood out to me when um he was answering your question well what are your thoughts on the insurance policy oh it's smart it's smart i mean without question given the fact that he's missed this year or the majority of it with that injury coming back protecting his interest protecting his uh future earning potential i mean kudos to him and his team as as james said the people around him that um had the foresight to say hey okay come back that's fine you know improve get better as a player but we're going to take these steps as well to protect you in the future Shift gears here as once again, this is the one year anniversary of the very first folks talking sports we did last year, June 4th, 2021. This year, starting year two on June 5th, 2022. And Andy, you go ahead and control a little bit here with the sponsor tip banner. But yeah, if you want to sponsor uh, these shows, please contact us. Looking for sponsors, ideally for the whole year. Not necessarily just a you know football season or a basketball season. Year-round sponsorship options are available too. We got three tiers, and Andy, I could borrow Andy's hotline suggestion for this show that he has for Less Rage Cougs. If you want to sponsor the call-in line, we can do that too. So we got flexibility for you if you want to be part of these shows going forward because we got plans, big plans for this show, uh, for this coming basketball season, football season, but also going forward. Shifting gears, money. As that ad line goes across, money. Takeaway. Mr. Willie Gibson in What's Ohio mm-hmm. from the Ohio State. Do you know off the top of your head what the per school revenue distribution is for Big 12 teams right now? Not as projected to be, but right now. Big 12? Uh, Big, no, 10. Big, 10. Big 10. Big 10. Excuse me. Big 10. Uh, let me look it up real quick. I want to say it was like $52 million per team. Let me. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. That sounds about right. Okay. Well, uh, Big 12 had their, what do we call them, summer meetings last few days, and they purported revenue total of $426 million, 10 teams, so that's $42.6 million per member. That's an increase. Great. Andy, James, 42.6. That's awesome. It's awesome for those current schools. Andy, what is it roughly that U of H got received in distribution from the American this past season? It was roughly about eight million. Eight million. Eight and a half, right? Eight and a half. Around Will? Eight per, and a half. What? Per month? What? No, no, annual. <laughs> oh, annual. My, my bad. My bad. My so bad. the Cougs got about eight and a half million from the AAC. Big 12 members got 42.6. This year, Mr. Gibson says Big Ten is about 50 million per member school. 54.3. 54.3. 54.3, to 8 in the American. And Conference USA member schools who are, will be upgrading to the American. Damn, it's got to be, they got to make an announcement soon enough to get this resolved. Everybody can move forward. But I want to say for Conference USA, 1 million per school. One. It may not even be that much. 
permanent school for Conference USA. But getting back to the Big 12 and the 42.6, Chronicles, Joseph Duarte, and I, I kind of surmised this uh, Thursday that I thought that UH, Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU as first-year members whenever they join the Big 12 would get about 50% of the revenue distribution. So that would be about $21 million. Justin Duarte said about $20 million, about 50% still. And then the next year would be what, Andy? Thirty million? It'd be about sixty percent, roughly. Um, Thirty, yeah, roughly thirty-four million. So thirty-four million. So first two years, will mm-hmm. first two years that, that could be fifty-four million dollars. That's one year of you guys in the Big Ten. But compare the fifty-four million for two years for Houston, UCF, the new members to the Big Twelve. Almost six to, times as much. 15 million in the American. Eight plus eight, maybe, maybe, maybe 17 million. Maybe if it goes up a little bit. 54 million compared to 17 million. Triple. Roughly. Roughly. So think about that. So there's no doubt why Chris Pesman and President Couture, Lena Hogerson are, are thrilled to death mm-hmm. about joining the Big 12 and probably are working so hard, so diligently to hammer out a buyout agreement with the American Federal Conference so they can get out of that conference and join the Big 12 July 1st, 2023. James, what were your thoughts on the potential projection of UH getting $20 million their first year in the Big 12? Um, I mean, I expected it to be probably between 15 to 20, um, just but I mean, 20 was a little high, uh, uh, honestly, um, when I thought um, I certainly knew it would be probably at least double what they got this year in the American. Um, and I, like you said, you can see the incentive right away um, going from eight, eight and a half to 20 in one year, you're, you're, you're increasing by 12 million. Um, and they, they, they've talked about, you know, all these projects they want to do, especially with the new football facility they want to build. And I've, forget the numbers on that, but that's like somewhere close to 80 million or something um, at least. So, I mean, they got to raise money for that. So, it, I mean, it makes sense. And that's, that's a big incentive right there. Cause that's a huge jump. And like y'all pointed out almost, you know, two years in you're tripling what you would have made um, from two additional years in the American. And James, I'm, I'm pretty sure Chris Pesman has hit you up already asking you to, to contribute toward the new football facility, right? Yeah. Yeah. He knows. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so the big bucks are go get James Mueller and James is going to contribute, you know, drop a million dollars on it like, like it's nothing. But Andy, what are your thoughts on the 20 million number for the Cougs that first year when they joined the Big 12? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's certainly big. It's a big, uh, it's not even the full you know, capacity of what other schools will be doing in the Big 12, but it's just the 20 million in and of itself. It's like more than twice of what they got for the American last year. Um, so that's going to be a big boost for the University of Houston, who uh, give them credit where it's due for the most part. And I'll do this caveat when it comes to the football programs, uh, the basketball programs, they've done a good job of doing more with less um, in this instance. And they've, I mean, going back to, to Calvin Sampson, the men's basketball program, even the football team, uh, they've had flashes over the past you know decade, uh, give or take, and they've shown that they can you know, build a program with their, where they're nationally relevant. They're competing with uh, some of the you know, top-tier programs in the country. And now, even though they're still going to be behind um, other schools in the Big 12, and, and don't even get me started when you look at the Big 10 and, and the SEC schools, um, it's certainly going to be a big upgrade for them. And uh, it's going to be a big boost because uh, at the end of the day, if you get um, roughly two and a half, times more the money that you're making right now is going to be uh, nothing but a benefit for the program and, and the athletics program as a whole. And if anybody watching us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, the new members, I think, will not receive full share until the fourth year in the Big 12. So roughly 50% year one, 60, 65 year two, then 75 year three, and then 100% year four. So that's typically how it's worked when other 
schools have joined as new members to other conferences. So that's not bad. You know, the carrots out there. And of course, here's the point. I've just thought about this because I had this comment on my uh, Houston Round Review Facebook page and I posted the numbers. The numbers, the 20 million first year, 34 million second year, we can't project after that for year, third year, fourth year, because the new TV deal will be up. And that's where they're going to negotiate. And that TV deal will, will be without Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12. So the question is, what, how much of a hit will the revenue take in the new media deal without the Longhorns in Oklahoma? And I'm, I see the question, boxing question. I'm going to answer that because I, I did see the fight. Um, <clears throat> because one thing that is in the conference's favor is BYU as a member, the Big 12 will become the only conference, this is how they're spinning it now, the only conference that will be in three time zones with member schools. So the BYU time zone, mountain time zone, is, could be beneficial to the TV partners because you'll have Eastern, Central, and Mountain time zone take care of for your Big 12 content. So, so what are your thoughts on that? First, Andy, go to you first. How much of a hit financially will, do you think, the Big 12 will lose without Texas and OU? That'll be for everybody for the panel. And then how much of a benefit do you think BYU being part of the Mountain time zone will help the Big 12 with their TV partners? Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll tackle the, the the first part of the question, which is how much they'll be losing, obviously, with you know Oklahoma and UT not uh, you know on the part of the slate of the Big 12. And I think it's certainly going to be a, a – how do I phrase it? I think it's going to be a noticeable impact. It certainly will be significant in terms of just brand recognition, especially when you look at Texas, Oklahoma, those are the – you know, two of the premier programs where year in and year out, and a lot of people point out, especially when you're talking about Texas, where it always seems like they end up in those preseason rankings, you know, ranked heading into the season. Uh, some people will argue that it might not be deserving. It's more because of the brand. But at the end of the day, you know, when Texas, when Oklahoma are on, especially if they're on prime time TV, whatever the slot is, uh, they tend to attract a lot of eyeballs to the conference and to whatever network they're playing on. Now, uh, with those two you know, programs out, you're going to have uh, Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU, which uh, the markets, uh, Houston is a really big market, but in terms of brand recognition, it is not, you know, night, it's night and day difference between uh, those schools and Oklahoma and, and Texas. So I think it'll be uh, a very noticeable difference, but I wouldn't say it's a point where you know, maybe it's where all the schools have to take a massive pay cut at if I had to put a number on it, I think it could potentially be about 25% less of what they would have done with, with uh, UT and OU. And the reason for that is because of the markets. Um, they're adding uh, an East Coast team. Uh, is Cincinnati, I think Cincinnati is technically East time zone as well. Um, right. Houston in the central market. Um, obviously, Houston's a big city. I, I, I always forget. I think they're the fourth largest city in in. Uh, the country, obviously, they're a big market. Um, and then BYU in, in the mountain time zone. I think that, that'll that be for the benefit uh, for the Big 12. Now, the mountain time zone, I guess, depending on the year, it's usually one hour or or two behind um, the central time zone. So I don't know how usual it would be for you know one of these Big 12 matchups to be in prime time, but I think that, that could certainly lean towards helping uh, the Big 12 getting more exposure, maybe on an ESPN network, uh, you know, whenever they have those Saturday night games, BYU versus a Houston, BYU versus a Texas Tech, BYU versus you name them. If you get that 7 o'clock slot, uh, 7 o'clock central time slot on a network like ESPN, I think that's certainly good for the conference. Let's, for, for the panel, let's go with Andy tossed out there <clears throat> number-wise. A 25% reduction with Texas and OU gone in the next TV deal if the 25 final year of the current deal would be 50 million for the current so we're looking at 25 percent that's down to 37 million dollars right roughly off the top of my head something like that yeah 37 and a half yep. million yep James <clears throat> how big is that you lose 20 25 percent of your 
revenue revenue distribution, how big of a hit is that to Lubbock, Waco, those those schools? It's definitely a, a big hit, and I mean, I think I, I honestly think they'll lose more um, than that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're looking at all these schools; they're benefiting from you know brand names like Texas and OU being in the conference, and so losing a significant amount of money, even you know five million a year or so um i mean that that takes a a toll on like you said you know texas tech baylor some of these schools and you know smaller places where they're not going to be able to do as much um or rely as much on at, on their income from the conference um and they'll have to rely on more donor support because they're just not going to be able to accomplish as much because I mean, it's a fact that Texas and OU leaving will, we don't know the exact number, but they're going to, the big 12 is going to take a hit overall. I think we can all agree on that. Well, what are, you, what are your thoughts on a possibly 25% reduction? Well, I'll, I'll be honest. When you first asked the question, I was all prepared and ready to say, oh, it's going to be a huge, huge hit. Then I thought about it. Texas football really hasn't been a, a needle mover right? in, the, in the recent in, in the recent past and then oklahoma they just lost their coach and everything else to usc so is brit venables really going to maintain that upper echelon of uh, uh type program i don't i don't know so i don't know if it's gonna be as uh it'll be a hit don't get me wrong it'll be a hit but as a much of a drastic hit I don't know because Texas really wasn't doing anything to begin with. So, and then you bring in Luke Fickle and Cincinnati, forgive my geographical bias, but <laughs> then you bring it in. Um, but I, I'll tell you this, I hadn't heard what you said. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a well of a tagline. The only conference in three time zones. I hadn't heard that, but that's something, that's something to, to, to watch. If they, they, if they market that right, that's going to be huge. And see, Andy, I'll ask you about this, what, what James and Will said. Longhorns and OU are national brands. <clears throat> we all know that. In terms of TV ratings, especially the Longhorns, <clears throat> excuse me, how much of the, did, of the needle did they move in the last few years? I, you know, I wonder about that, especially if they're not playing OU. Okay, so they're gonna the Big 12 is gonna lose money. It's gonna be a hit. Yes, you're losing two national brands. But in terms of demographics, Norman, Oklahoma, not a huge TV market. Austin is not Orlando, and it's probably not Cincinnati. Is not Houston in terms of demographics, TV demographics. BYU has its own network, okay, BYU TV. So Mormons can watch, and, if, and I think whoever the new commissioner is for the Big 12, Bob Bowlesby is about to enjoy retirement because I think they're going to announce, the plan is to announce the new commissioner next month at the Big 12 Football Media Days. So that new commissioner, one of the, his or hers key jobs is to get a great new deal with the TV partners need to have big 12 logos all over BYU TV as much as possible without upsetting the Mormons. Okay. Remind all those Mormons that BYU athletics is now in the big 12. So that'll help ratings. And then you toss in the mountain time zone, big 12 football could be on from two 30 kickoff five, 7.30 and 9 o'clock every, every Saturday or every other Saturday. Big 12 football on ESPN, ESPN2, et cetera. Well, we know, let's see, part of the, I guess, 5 o'clock or so, or 2.30 would probably be SEC on ESPN. But whatever, you get me out, you get my, where I'm going with this. <clears throat> so there is a way that the Big 12 could market this. And Andy, you know, and Will, you know, James, you know, Big 12, they get it. They know how to pr promote themselves, promote and market, whereas people in the American <clears throat> seem to not even realize what's going on in terms of marketing. You know, they're 
digital platform, the American on ESPN Plus, you wouldn't even know it's there. Whereas Big 12 is the Big 12 now on what? On ESPN Plus. So I think they'll do a better job promoting itself. So 25%, it sounds about right. And it might be less because I've heard that it might be, it won't be as big as we think. We could all be wrong. But maybe the push about that third time zone, ESPN and Fox, ABC, CBS, that's not bad. Big 12 needs to try to get on CBS. Beat, beat the Pac-12, well, although a Pac-12 thing comes up. But in terms of negotiations, somebody needs to get on CBS to fill that SEC void. Because you'll get, get money there from that network. Because they want to get back to football, just not spend as much on, on SEC that they were getting from ESPN. Especially so, maybe you can get that CBS uh, deal, then you could have the whole day. Literally, you could have the 11 a.m. time slot go from 11 to 5, 4, like literally the whole day on Saturday. Um, you know, if you prioritize that mountain time zone, you could have some of the East Coast, literally, um, East Coast teams in the morning, uh, more closer to the mountain time zone in the evening. So it's a big, big opportunity. I, you know, I, I think the SEC, excuse me, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 will probably end up on CBS. I think both of them are smart enough to try to fill that, that void with SEC going to ESPN. So they should do that because, Andy, like I said, you, great point. You can have your conference games on all day long. Seems like a smart move to me. Well, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Definitely. I mean, to run the game, but like I said, that, I just keep that third time zone. I had not heard that before. And ever since you said it, it's like, yeah. Tagline. That's a tagline. That's, I mean, yeah, if they market that right, that's a phenomenal tagline. Yeah. Phenomenal tagline. And to implement it, as Andy said, to go all day. Now, I probably shouldn't say it like this, but you can't give me uh, BYU and I don't know. I don't want to say. I'll just leave it like you got to have quality matchups. You got to have a quality matchup. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll say that because uh, you got to have a quality matchup in that late window in order sure. to make it attractive. So, you know, and it probably would involve Cincinnati in the late window, BYU, because they should be there now consistently good in football and toss in Houston. They're trying to become consistently good in football again. Jane, we'll come to you with this. Where do things stand for Coach Holgerson in football in terms of recruiting the future classes? Where, where are they ranking? How are they looking in terms of commitments, things like that? Because we know basketball-wise, they already got two commitments on the men's side for class 23. How are things looking for the football side? So, yeah. So, I mean, for this class that just they, they have a few, I don't know how many, but when we met with Dana in April, I think he said they had about 10 spots they could fill left for this 2022 class. Um, um, this class showed an improvement um, from 2021. They ranked 51st overall and second in the American. They were 70 something overall in uh, last year and seventh in the American. So that's a, that's a significant jump in terms of uh, just like immediately looking um, overall. For 2023, there hasn't been a ton. They have one listed recruit when I've researched it, um, a three-star wide receiver from Fort Bend. Uh, that's the only one that they've had like committed. Mm -hmm. um, and then up past that, there's there's nothing really. Um, so I think they're still mainly focused on filling up this 2022 class because, I mean, there hasn't been a ton of talk. I know I've, I've seen guys, you know, post – offers and stuff but like the only only guy they have committed right now for 2023 is this three-star receiver and i asked that for will and andy now to comment is the bearcats got five commitments saturday yesterday june 4th uh, to the program one of the five was a four-star i think he's a defensive back i have to go back to look at my man justin williams articles but uh, you know justin covers the bearcats for the athletic and I've interviewed him, interviews on the YouTube channel. 
Well, just in comparison, they have 16 total, and they yep. rank fifth overall in 2023 class. Houston see, has one. See, that's, that's, thank you. That, that ties my point together. The Bearcats are ranked fifth right now because basically quantity of commitments. Because I think of the five they got yesterday was one four-star, two three-stars, and other two were not in top 300, what have you. So they're getting quantity of commitments right now, whereas Dana Hogerson and UH football has just one commitment. So that's why in the rankings right now, they're near the bottom of the new Big 12 because they only have one commit, whereas Texas Tech may have 20, you know, and Bearcats have 16. So that is a difference right now, as of right now, June 5th, in terms of the rankings for commitments and recruiting-wise. But Will, what are your thoughts? Do you know how many uh, commitments the Buckeyes have for 23? For 23, 10. 10, see, see, that's where, and probably of those 10, most of them are four-star, sprinkling a five-star here and there. Nobody less than a three-star, I'm gonna assume that. Seven, eight, nine, nine four-stars and a three-star, right fourth in the nation. See, that's that's different between the Buckeyes, nine four-stars, the Bearcats out of their 16, may have three. Yeah. Yeah. So the impact of the Big 12, joining the Big 12 is helping get the commits. It's not yet helping get the four stars and five stars yet. It's coming. It's not just not there yet. So now I'll go to go to two questions from Ace Town's Finest 44 about, I'll put it on there, the boxing. I I don't know if you guys saw the fight. Devin Haney, George Cambosa's fight last night on, on the four letters. Devin Haney controlled the fight. With his jab, Cambosis, it was a boring fight. <laughs> Devin Haney's style of fighting is not a thrilling style for fans. If you want to see knockout guys are throwing blows back and forth. Devin Haney is truly a sweet science and the guys that I would like if I were growing up as a boxer. The object will, Andy James, is to hit and not get hit. That's Devin Haney's style. Okay, he's not a power puncher, he's not a one punch kind of guy. He can jab, make you miss, and all that kind of stuff, and some folks don't like that. So the fight was boring to a lot of folks. But yes, George Cambosis, he has a, a rematch clause in, he's probably going to exercise it. And it's just a question of, and he, and he gets it. The clause is the rematch back in Australia. Mm. So Devin Haney wanted to fight this fight so badly, to, and he now has all four belts. Wanted to fight him, George, in Australia, first time. And then he agreed to have the rematch in Australia again. <laughs> so that's how badly Haney wanted to beat, well, face Cambosis. So, but it was a boring fight. So I'm not sure how many promoters will want to get it. But back in Australia in a few months, okay, we'll see. And then next question, where would we rank the Big 12 among the conferences once Texas and Oklahoma leave? Okay, well. I got my thoughts. Andy, you, you first. Hmm. I think, well, obviously you have to pencil in the SEC number one, uh, and Will's going to hate me on this big 10. Do you? Do you? Uh, Do you? No. <laughs> uh, and then after that, uh, God, I guess it's got to depend on what the ACC does and uh, can Clemson rebound, can, stop, can those stop, programs. Stop. stop. So you're thinking too much. Okay, your logic is sound. SEC, Big Ten. The ACC, until they prove it, is Clemson. They had a down year, but they're still Clemson. The Big 12 should have more talent. It looks like they have more good teams. Baylor, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, Houston, TCU. ACC got Clemson, maybe what? Pittsburgh, Wake Forest here and there, tossing them around. Big 12 third. James, you agree? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say Big 12 third and first two, same as Andy, looking at it from like a holistic perspective, other than just football, basketball, they'll be just fine. They still got Kansas. They got UH coming in. They, they, the, the Big 12 is always good. And then baseball, I mean, uh, 
TCU and Texas Tech are always nationally uh, relevant. Um, so th they still got, I, I, like, I, like you said, I agree. I think they got more, they're more well-rounded than a conference like the uh, a ACC. Well, yeah, I would definitely uh, say Big 12 would be third, uh, Big 10, Big 10 one, <laughs> SEC two. Um, no, no, seriously, SEC, seriously. Top heavy. You give, I'll give you. I'll give you Alabama, LSU, but then no one ever wants I, to talk I about. I wouldn't give you LSU right now. I give you Alabama, Georgia. What, right, Alabama, Georgia, but no one ever wants to talk about Mississippi State or Vanderbilt. No mm -hmm. one, yep. never. So okay, Kentucky. So, but yeah, I, I would agree. Big Twelve third right now. And I, I think and. We got the comment up there. The Big 12 has more depth than ACC. Agreed. And a, a benefit to the Big 12 is their TV contract comes up soon, much sooner than the ACC. I mean, Big 12 negotiates new contract starts in 25, 26 season. So 18 months prior, they can negotiate him out a new deal. ACC's deal does not come up until what like 34 35 mm. something like that i mean it's it's way out there the big 10 will have this coming deal and probably a second deal before the acc gets a chance to negotiate another tv deal the pac-12 deal will be up in 24 i think so they may have because they're not going to do it another 12 year you know new commissioner george leavkoff said we're doing a sh shorted contracts so it'll be like a six-year deal with them ACC, because a part of the, the network with ESPN, they agreed to like a 20-year deal. 20. 2-0. Two, no one's going to do that anymore. The American surprised me, and I think most of you guys, when they agreed to a 12-year deal. Got more money. Got the, the ESPN Plus network, which they failed to promote. But 12-year deal, $4 billion total, 12-year deal. And that won't be up for a while. And that'll probably have to be renegotiated when they got the new schools going going in, but it won't change. The numbers are going to go down. So, Andy, back to your initial discussion. Do you now agree with our logic about the Big 12 three being me, me head of the ACC? No, I agree with the argument that they're more, you know, top to bottom. The Big 12 has more talent from the perspective of schools. But I, obviously Clemson is – for the most part, they've established themselves as a clear-cut number one. But, I mean, the ACC has some brand names, too. They have Florida State, Miami, who obviously haven't been able to do anything the last couple of years. But then, of course... Um, Has-beens, Andy. Has-beens. Has-beens, but you never know. They could they could turn it around. But I, I agree. Um, if, if we're ranking it off what it is today, I would say the Big 12 is third, which I was going to caveat out and say if. Clemson if this, but no, I agree. As of now, I think the Big 12 is the third when obviously behind the Big 10 and the SEC. All right, we're about to wrap it up. I just thought about this, and then we're going to get to the NBA predictions. Guys, I'm, you know, right now, TV-wise, it's baseball, college, World Series, and, and well, baseball, regionals, opening rounds, regionals, and super regionals. Women's softballs in the college World Series. But baseball, why aren't there more fans at the games? Some of these games I've seen on TV, it looks like I don't want to toss out rocks here about some of the local teams. But so, but why isn't baseball, college baseball, more popular? Anybody? I mean, I think one because of the long, just the long season, and they don't do a, a, as good of a job promoting it. I love college baseball. Um, the regionals overall have had good numbers. I know UT set a record last night. They had over 8,500, largest crowd on uh, in history there. Um, A&M had like six. Um, they've had decent numbers for the regionals, but overall, yeah, in regular season stuff, you don't see great numbers. And in some of these regionals, you're not seeing great numbers either. Um, and I just think, one, popularity, and two, people just they're not invested as much because it's not as well marketed as you know football basketball or things like that will what do you think yeah i i agree with 
libertarian. Honestly, in the interest of full disclosure, I haven't watched one second of the Super Regionals, the college baseball. I've watched more of the women college softball, women's World Series that I have of the men to be completely transparent about it. Mm-hmm. Um, even here at Columbus, you know, Bill Davis Stadium, they have a baseball-only facility there. I, it's an afterthought, truth be told. So yeah. I really am not well-versed enough to, to even speak on it. Andy? No, yeah, like what James and, and Will have hit on, obviously, uh, James touched on it, the marketing of the sport is nowhere near uh, the levels of when you look at, you know, basketball and, and football. I think it, uh, a big part of it is just the sport in general. I mean, it's uh, multiple innings. It's not, you know, obviously there's different types of excitement, and especially if you, like, stay for and you want to walk off, you know, uh, happen the game. But it, it doesn't have the same buzz of a March Madness or, heck, even a, a college football playoffs, like a, a finals game. Um, where there's like a lot of buildup leading up to it, it's highly promoted. I mean, obviously with, with the basketball side of things, there's it's March Madness. Anything can happen. Um, there's Cinder- Cinderellas all the time uh, with the college football playoff. You know, obviously, uh, I, I don't know about competitive when it comes to the games, but certainly the buildup to those games is on another level. Uh, you don't see either of those with with baseball, college baseball in general, and uh, certainly not with you know even the College World Series or anything like that. All right, I'm going to answer these last two, and then we'll go to new predictions. The last one, we're tying to the final NBA Finals. <clears throat> Post this one up here. HBCU schools getting in the mix for TV contract in the future. Yep, uh, SWAC is working on that with um, Byron Allen's conglomerate. So trying to finalize details with that. Issue is Florida A&M and Grambling jumped the gun, jumped the shark, and tried to get their own deals with another streaming platform that the SWAC is trying to negotiate directly with Byron Allen's streaming platform. So now that's going to the courts because it's a different platform than Byron Allen's crap uh, group on the HBCU Go and FAMU and Grambling with somebody else. And Commissioner Charles McClellan was not happy about that. Um, so I almost put out a, a gag order to the, to the schools as a whole because they're trying to hammer out a deal with Byron Allen's organization. And they were talking with with big corporations like Pepsi and other major corporations for serious dollars for the SWAC. And two schools trying to do their own thing and it's gonna hurt, but potentially kill the deal and ruin it. So they're trying to mend bridges and fences and all that kind of stuff to get this deal done. I'm not sure what timetable, but hopefully within the next few months. Now, NBA Finals. What improvements from Golden State, guys? And that question right there, for people who, who will listen to it on our audio podcast, the question is, what improvements do you think we'll see from Golden State tonight? If I'm Boston, I would make Looney and Draymond beat me. Think about the Warriors starting five. You got Steph, Clay, Wiggins, three scorers, then Kevon Looney and Draymond. What am I going to be doing? Making Looney and Draymond beat me. Yeah, I, I, you know, kudos to the Warriors getting this far with three elite scores. Well, Steph, Clay is still trying to get me into it. Andrew Wiggins is—he played better earlier in the playoffs. He's kind of regressing into the Wiggins we knew and called wonder, wondered about lately mm-hmm. in, in the playoffs. But Draymond Green not a great shooter. We know that. We know that forever. Kevon Looney is an offense rebounder. You keep them off the boards, Golden State's second chance points will, will go down. He's not going to beat you. Mm-hmm. He's not a main point of their offense. Now, if you can make him a main point of the offense, that's a win because that's out of his comfort zone. And the Warriors don't want that. Will, we didn't ask you. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter. Andy predicted Boston in six. Correct. I guaranteed I said, it. Yeah, guaranteed it. Let me go back to that. Put it up there. James, what did you say? You pick, Who would you predict? Warriors in five. Warriors oh, in five. So that's got to start tonight then, James, as you know. You know the match. I want to win tonight. Yeah, I want Boston, one. but Golden State's not dropping two at home. Will, what's your prediction for the series? I, I picked Boston to win it. I did not. I don't have a game, but if you, if, if you want me to do a, a game, oh, 
I'll do Boston in six. And see, I, I wanted to do Boston in six, but because Andy did it and Will did it too, now I said Boston in seven. So that, that means winning game seven in oh, Oakland, no. which I would love that because that would just shut up all the, the dynasty talk about. Really? I would love that because that, that's can, one can, reason why I'm picking Boston. Can, can I say something? Just speaking of game six, all I've been hearing is game six, Clay. Game six, Clay. And my question is, where's Clay games one through five? Case in point, Thursday night. I can see Clay. And what? But we talk about Game Six, Clay. Yeah, we we saw Clay. We saw Jalen Brown light play up in the fourth quarter. We saw that. We saw Clay. You're right. You're right. Clay. We saw that (laughs) because Clay is no longer the elite defender that he was before the injuries. Jalen Brown win the matchup. Boston win the series. Yep. Okay. You know, and that's one thing. Some of these TV experts. Basketball experts, national media, so in love with Steph. Are y'all watching the Warriors play? Right. Are you watching how the Warriors have beat Dallas and what Dallas didn't have and what Boston does have? Okay, now I'm like James. I'd be surprised, I'd be stunned if Boston does does not win. Excuse me, if Boston wins game two. Be shocked. Me too. Me too. You know. But if that happens, I'm gonna grin. I might Post smiley faces all on my Twitter account. Oh, my Man, you boy. Because except for the Bulls, even with the Bulls, I ride it out with the Eastern Conference when it comes to predictions. Okay? So I'm picking the Eastern Conference anyway. But Boston, look at their starting five. They can switch. They are what the Rockets dream to be when it comes to switching on defense. Because they have the height, the athleticism, and the length to do it well. The Rockets only dream about being this versatile on defense with switching defenses. So we got James. You sticking with your your Golden State in five? You gonna stick I with mean, that? after Game One, I th- I still think the Warriors will win. I think it will be six now. Um, okay. Yeah. So you're the only one picking the Warriors. Yeah. Okay. So we got one Warriors pick and then three Celtics picks. Okay. So we got. Anybody picking Boston to win tonight in Game Two? No, I'm not. I wouldn't. I, I I wouldn't pick Boston outright. But after seeing what what they did, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Golden State. Honestly, they they kind of have their backs against the wall. The last thing they want to do is have an old two hole going back to Boston. Uh, but like you said, Chris, I think the Celtics are just a really really bad matchup for the Warriors because, like you mentioned, um, that's something that, that the Warriors just took advantage in the in the previous series against Dallas. They had no inside presence. You had Kevon Looney going, well, I think he had multiple games where he had north of 15 rebounds yep. against the Mavericks. Um, all those second-chance opportunities, that's the one thing you can't do against the Warriors because when you have Kevin Looney getting those type of rebounds, what's he going to do? He's going to find a staff. He's going to find Clay. He's going to find Jordan Poole, Otto Porter Jr., list off all their shooters. And that's really how they killed the Mavericks in that series. Uh, the Boston Celtics are not that. And to caveat, um, the Mavericks are basically where Luka Doncic, how far can you get us? J- Jalen Brunson and, and Spencer Dinwiddie helping every now and then. The Celtics, Jason Tatum had uh, a very poor shooting game in game one. Uh, Jalen Brown had moments where he took over. And then they relied on players like uh, Al Horford. He had a really big game. In game one, Marcus Smart hit some clutch threes after not needing to play for most of the fourth quarter. So Boston has everything um, that really gives the Warriors problems. Like you mentioned, Chris, they have the life that can switch everything, and they're not relying on one score. So that really gives Golden State problems. We're going to wrap it up right there. Andy on his hockey people find you on social media. For sure, Chris, they can follow me on Twitter as they see on the screen. That's at Ayanez underscore five for those that are listening to the audio version. Uh, I'm going to take a quick second to do a quick plug for a podcast on the University of Houston Athletics at Pod Slamma Jamma. That's at P-A-W-D-S-L-A-M-A-J-A-M-A on Twitter. Obviously, of course, find us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube now with the video components. Um, and we are looking for sponsors as well as for our less rate, uh, Coogs unofficial post game show with UH football and basketball. And we might have an announcement regarding that for less rate Coogs, so stay tuned with that. Uh, hopefully, soon, James Mueller. How can folks find you on social media? 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at JDM2186, and then all my uh, work is at thedailycougar.com. Well, Gibson, how can people get in touch with you? They can get in touch with me on Twitter and Instagram, same handle, WillGibson7. And I am, as you see it there, do I see the Rockets becoming? No, not until they become better defensively. No, and not until they stop drafting guys six foot three. <laughs> you know, no. Small ball is dying. I, I don't know why the Rockets still cling to this small ball nonsense. Will, growing up, we, we thought, we, we were told that the NBA is a copycat league, right? And, yep. If Boston wins the championship, then you need to copy that. 6'5", 6'7", 6'8", 6'9", 6'10". Not 6'3", 6'3", 6'4". You're about 4'6'4". Okay, so there we go with that. Toss-up, we'll see. Clearly, no one expects Boston to make 21 threes again, but who expects Mr. Taylor will go three for 17. And how many times will Steph Curry score 34? He scored 34 and Golden State still lost. Yeah, yeah, he was on fire to start the game. Okay. He what, he had 21 in the first? Yeah, 21 in the first quarter. in the first, I think. And a lot yeah. of that was, was because it seemed like Boston didn't know what they were doing. I mean, do you know that that is Steph Curry, right? On these, on these, <laughs> right. these high picks, these high screens. You know not to go under the, the screens, right? You need to guard Steph. Make him pass to Draymond Green. Make him pass to Kevon Looney. Don't let Steph get open on a high pick and roll. That's like basic. You have the length to make it hard for him. Steph's going to make tough shots. But don't give him easy shots. Please. So thank you very much for tuning in. Ace Towns Finest, thank you very much for, for the kind words, the props right here. As always, we appreciate the comments from everyone. Thank you for watching on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, at our Folks Talk Sports account. You can catch the audio of this on the podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the beginning of the second year of Folks Talking Sports as we are celebrating the one-year anniversary of Folks Talking Sports here. We thank you very much. I am Chris Gardner of Houston Round Bar Review. You see me, my Twitter account up there, the HR Review. I think, guys, put you on the spot right here on air. Are we good for, for our next Sunday, same time? Yep. Should be. All right. So next Sunday, June 12th, same time. Thank you very much, everyone. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, please get in touch with us because we're doing big things. We've got big plans for this show, Let's Rage Coog show, um, my Let's Talk Houston Rockets show as well. All of that is on the Houston Round Bar Review channel. Got a football show also with the Max Corner. May have some news to share about that. So James, Willie Gibson, y'all got something in mind you want to Add to the round bar view playlist. Feel free. Let's talk Buckeyes. Well, I, 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 content is content, man. Let's 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 run with it. We we got three guys. Yeah, let's and talk me. Cleveland Browns. That too, Cleveland Browns. You that got somebody well. who people want to talk to. Yeah, yeah. So we have not yeah. talked about uh, a certain elephant in the room with the Browns. So yeah. Um, so next 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 week we can get into that. So, oh, yeah. we can do it. Oh, so thank you question. as always. Tune in next Sunday at 6 p.m. Central Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, on our next edition of Folks Talking Sports. Take care.